Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to The Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. If murder is not unforgivable, and adultery isn't unforgivable, and we deal with divorce as if it were unforgivable, what we're doing is saying murder and adultery are less of a sin than divorce. In fact, had he murdered his wife, served his time, and got out, he could have married and still served in that denomination. Doesn't that seem wrong? Today we complete Pastor Sam's message, Healing, Help, and Hope, from Matthew 5:31 through 37 a message about Jesus' teachings on divorce that will bring healing, help, and hope to those who may be contemplating divorce and those who have been impacted by it. Let's listen in. i got to share something else with you. I don't know if I shared this last time. I have a friend, a close and dear friend, pastors of Calvary Chapel today. When I met him, he was on his way to jail. He was a, well... I shouldn't give his testimony. I'll have him come sometime and do it. But anyway, he was he was a drug abuser and a drug dealer, and he'd been immoral and all sorts of things. And he also happened to have been divorced. Well, make a long story short, his wife and child stayed with us while he was in prison. When he got out of prison, he went off to a Bible college, not Calvary's Bible college, another Bible college, mainstream denomination. And when he graduated the college, thinking he would be ordained by them, he got some bad news. We can't ordain you, they said. And he said, why? They said, well, we didn't realize, and obviously you didn't realize the importance of it. You were divorced. And he goes, I was divorced before I was a Christian. Are you saying that that can't be forgiven? That when old things pass away and all things become new, you mean all and all except divorce? And he was blown away. He couldn't believe it. Here's a man who felt called to the ministry, prepared for the ministry, now telling, being told he can't be in the ministry. And his divorce, get this, was before he ever even became a Christian. Now, track with me on this, because it's exceedingly important to where we're headed. If murder is not unforgivable, and adultery isn't unforgivable, and we deal with divorce as if it were unforgivable, what we're doing is saying murder and adultery are less of a sin than divorce. In fact, had he murdered his wife, served his time, and got out, he could have married and still served in that denomination. Doesn't that seem wrong? Isn't that troubling to you? That a murderer can pastor, but not a divorced person? If he had committed adultery, or let's just say he never married, it would have been possible for him to live with as many women as he wanted, sleep with them as many times as he wanted, just come and go as much as he wanted, then become a Christian, get married, and he could have served in that denomination. Now, I'm not naming the denomination because my goal isn't to pick on them. And if you think for a moment I'm trying to say divorce isn't serious or it's no big deal or doesn't, you know I'm not saying that. I'm just saying divorce is not an unforgivable sin. And if it, if it becomes that to us or if we deal with people that way, what we're doing is saying, Murderers, accepted and forgiven. Adulterers, accepted and forgiven. Thieves, liars, cheats. We forgive it. We accept it. You can get in the Bible college. We'll train you up. We'll send you out. You can pastor. You can do it all. But if you're divorced, you have committed an unforgivable sin. I don't believe that's biblical. I don't believe that's scriptural. I think it's apart from the heart of God. Well, where does that bring us then? Where does that take us? Well, Three things, healing for the past, help for the present, and then hope for the future. 
If you have been hurt by divorce, and that, that could be your parents, that could be brothers and sisters, it could be your children, it could be you yourself. If you have been touched and hurt, devastated by divorce, there is healing for that today. And if it was your parents, step one is you've got to forgive them. If it was your children, step one, you've got to forgive them. If it was your own spouse, you've got an ex, you've got to forgive them. It's not an option. It's a command. Jesus said, forgive them. Father, they know not what they do. Where did he say that from? The cross. And you need to know that if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you are forgiven every sin you've ever committed, cleansed, washed, washed clean, dealt with as if those things never happened. And I talk to and interact with a lot of people who have suffered through the pain of divorce in some context. And I sense and see in them an unforgiving spirit, a bitter spirit. And you need to know two things result of that unforgiveness or from that unforgiveness and bitterness. First of all, it hurts you. Unforgiveness, bitterness, that the hostility and hatred that result from that. It's like spiritual cancer. It eats away at you. And then secondly, it devastates those closest to you, most loved by you. Here's a tragic irony. Most of you who've been through this and are bitter toward someone as a result of it, you're not hurting those people you're bitter toward at all. You're hurting yourself, the person you're with now, your parents, your children, because unforgiveness, it, it finds its way out. And it always expresses itself in our interpersonal relationships. And I've found that when I'm unforgiving, when I start to be bitter or hostile toward people, that it is those closest to me who I love the most who suffer greatly as a result. That's why the Bible says, don't let any root of bitterness spring up, lest many be defiled. And so Jesus calls us to forgiveness. If your parents and, you know, there's nothing you could have done about that or, or done to change it. But many of us have harbored bitterness and hostility toward our own parents because of not just the divorce, but the things that we experienced as a result of it. I, like Pam, grew up with a stepfather who was hostile and, and intense. And, I mean, I, I just rate him in the maniac category. And um, and I, I would say it to his face, but I have reconciled with my stepfather. I reconcile with my parents. I was able to go and say, look, I know you didn't do this to me, but I was radically affected by the decisions you make and the failure you had. And I, and I had a lot of bitterness and anger, and I want to be free of that. So I ask their forgiveness. And maybe some of you today, that's where this will lead, to just go to somebody and, and just say, look, it, I get it. You did the best you could. You tried as hard as you could, but man, you don't realize. And then there has to be forgiveness. The second thing is not only do we have to forget, if there's going to be real healing from the past, we need to, or forgive, excuse me, we need to forget. I just jumped into it. Forgetting, listen, one of the hardest things in the world to do. Now, it's easier for guys than gals. Why? We just have short memories. That's the way it is. I remember years ago, Pam saying, I don't know, she brought up something, and, and I was like, I don't even remember that. And she goes, how can you not remember that? I said, well, there's no reason both of us keeping track of all this. But, oh man, I really shouldn't say things like that. It's such a serious message. But, but here's the deal. 
The Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. First Corinthians 13. You've heard that. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And it may be that guys keep less records truly just because we have worse memories. And women seem to remember better than guys. But, but here's the deal. If we keep a list, if we bring it up, if we're like, I can't believe this is all going down again or happening to me again, then we're not loving that person biblically. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, you might be thinking, well, I have forgiven, but I don't know how to forget. You know, the Bible says he takes our sin and casts it as far as east is from west and remembers it no more. How can God remember it no more? He chooses not to dwell on it. It's not like God could say, okay, I don't remember that happened. God has an excellent memory. I guarantee it. But we have to choose to deal with those people as if they didn't do that. You you know that play on words we have for the word justified? God deals with me now just as if I'd never sinned. That's what it means to forget. We deal with our our parents, our partners, our our, our children, our, our whoever, just as if it never happened. And if you, like me, wake up tomorrow or someday next week, or maybe this has happened to you where you've forgiven and you've reconciled and everything's okay, but you just wake up and all of a sudden you're remembering. And you don't just have thoughts, you have emotions and they flood in and you're like, my gosh, I'm experiencing this and I'm so angry and I'm, I'm so... If that happens to you, you choose that moment to forgive, you see. You you say, Lord, I need to put this in the past. You're not responsible for those emotions and feelings and thoughts coming, but you're responsible for what you do with them from that moment on. So you say, Lord, free me of this stuff. He wants to. He can. He will. And, And so forgiveness is the first step to healing the past. Forgetting is the second step for healing the past. And then focusing. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And you know, if you spend your time dwelling on the things that have happened to you or the people that have hurt and wounded you, you will not only be living in the past, but you'll be robbing yourself of a glorious present and a wonderful future. And so it's forgiving first, forgetting second, and then focusing on Jesus. He has forgiven you all. He has forgotten your sin. And he is worthy of our attention, not just as an example and an exhorter, but as the one who will send the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, to empower us to overcome the things that would devastate and destroy us. Well, What you should have noticed that I didn't mention is a lot of time spent in therapy and talking about the problems and working through the problems, retrying to format, reformat the problems. There were some seminars that passed through the church some years back where people were going back in the past and they were taught to relive the experience and then rewrite history, past history. Listen, nothing could be more foolish. You can't change anything by pretending it didn't happen or say, well, it, it could have been different. It wasn't. You confront it head on. You forgive it. You, you forget it. And then you focus on Jesus. That brings us to help for the present. And um, there is help right now. The Bible says if you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Three of my favorite chapters on real freedom are in the book of Romans, chapter 6, 7, and 8. And in Romans chapter 6, he says you are free from sin. It no longer has power over you. You're no longer in bondage to it. 
And so if you're someone and you're still angry and you have a murderous heart because you know that anger and murder, hey, from God's perspective, they're one and the same. Or you're filled with lust and, and, and maybe you haven't committed adultery or maybe you even did, but you haven't dealt with it. Maybe you've pushed it away or denied it or, or tried to just act like it didn't happen. Listen, you can only be free from sin that you confess and forsake. There's freedom, real freedom. And that sin will no longer dominate your life when you know the truth of Scripture. That's why the Bible says, let those of us who are in Christ Jesus reckon the old man dead. Reckon ourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Stop presenting your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but instead, members of righteousness as unto the Lord and, and for the Lord. Romans 6 says, we are no longer slaves of sin. And I confess to you, I had a hateful, hateful, murderous heart in my youth. But man, I have love for people now. A love that God imparted and has, it is growing. And I know you know that. I know you sense that. That compassion, that, that mercy, that care. And God wants all of us to experience it and exhibit it. To receive it and then to share it. Well... Not only is there freedom from sin, but freedom from the law. And this is way good news. Listen, the law condemns, the law kills. And you need to know that 1 Timothy chapter 1 says the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the unrighteous, the unsubordinate or insubordinate, for the, the murderers of mothers and murderers of fathers, for manslayers, for for adulterous, idolatrous, the sodomite. that and, and he just goes on, a list after list after list. He says, this is what the law is for. The law is not for a righteous person. Now, here's great news. If you're in Christ, you have the righteousness of Christ. You have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, as we considered a couple of weeks ago. And, and so the law is not for you. You're not under law. You're not condemned by the law. And you need to know that that's all the law can do. It can convict you of sin, it can condemn you for sin, but it never can convert you from sin or bring cleansing of sin. Now that's something Jesus does. That's the shed blood of Jesus. As he was nailed to the cross and said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He wasn't glossing over sin, he was suffering and dying for it. He wasn't justifying and saying, no big deal. He was saying, this is how serious it is. And he wasn't condemning us for our sin. You see, the law condemns us, but Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. And I want to tell you, if you have been condemned by others, and I'm certain many here have felt the condemnation of self-righteous, judgmental, better than, really, you know, think they're better than they really are type people. Listen, if you have been condemned by people, and especially if it's happened in the context of the church, you will do one of two things, both devastating. You will either condemn others. You'll go around saying, oh, yeah, well, look at them. They lie, or look at them, they gossip, or look at them. And, and instead of becoming an agent for change, for restoration, for wholeness, for health, for, for Jesus, man, you'll become a person just like the people who condemned you. Or you'll go to the other side of the coin and you'll rationalize and justify and blame shift. Neither of those, neither of those responses are biblical or helpful. Jesus never condemned hurting, wounded, needy sinners. Nor did he condone or gloss over or say, well, no big deal. It's no big deal. 
You see, if we do either of those, we're doing ourselves and others a great disservice. Why is the law not for the righteous? We have something so much better. We have love. You see, I don't need a law telling me not to lie to Pam or not to commit adultery against Pam. Why? I love her. That's the last thing I want to do to her. I don't want to hurt her in any way. I don't need a law saying thou shalt not. Man, I I love her. And when you love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength in response to the love he's shown you and you begin to love one another as you've been loved and you begin to love the lost around you and you begin to love your parents and your children and and your ex hey that love is a healing thing it doesn't just gloss over it's honest it confronts it confesses so we have help for the present not just healing for the past forgiveness forgetting and focusing but help for the present sin man We're no longer slaves of sin. In Romans 7, we are no longer slaves to the law or under the law. And then Romans 8. And see, Romans 8 makes no sense unless you know that all are guilty sinners. Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. And we need to take this message beyond these walls. Why? Because as we had everyone stand and then had the majority of us sit... That says most people in this room have been touched in some way. And if you're thinking, well, somehow I missed it. I didn't, I'm not touched by, hey, we are the children of God. We are the family of God, his church. And so you've been touched because you're connected to us. But I'd like to suggest to you that what I'm sharing with you isn't mostly what's out there. People are either condoning sin or they're condemning sin. But few are actually confronting and bringing cleansing and hope and help. And and here's my point. We need to be those few. We need to be the ones that go and tell people, listen, I, 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 I get it. Do you ever ask someone why they don't go to church? And they just, you just see them flush. And, and you know something bad must have happened there. A lot of people out there who've been hurt and wounded by maybe even well-meaning Christians who just didn't get it. And so my heart, my hope is that we'll not only find help for the present, but hope for the future, and that we will become hope to others. Here's my last point. There is hope because if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And maybe it really hasn't been anger or murder or lust and adultery, or even divorce and the breaking of that oath that I live with you and for you and never separate from you. Maybe none of those are you. But I guarantee you, come next week, we'll get you. And 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 you're going to be here. Why? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And my heart isn't to drag people down, but to build them up. But you know, sometimes the Lord has to to just level the playing field and say, look, we're all the same before God. We're all needy before God. And we're all in need of healing from the past and hope for the present and hope for the future. Your hope is if you confess, he'll cleanse and forgive and forget. And then your eyes will be on the one that changes things. And your ministry will just blossom. No longer will the enemy be able to condemn you, you'll say, there's no way I've been forgiven that. No longer will you condemn yourself. And so many people have trouble forgiving themselves. Listen, I got to tell you, there's more bad news. If you will not forgive yourself, 
then you're adding sin to sin. Because Jesus already suffered and died for that sin. For you to carry it around and say, I don't know if I'm worthy of forgiveness. You are. He shed his blood. He died on the cross for that sin. Let it go. Forgive yourself. Leave this place with your, your heart lifted and, and oh, experience it. Finally, if you are not yet divorced, and it's not just possible but probable that there are couples here today who are sort of at their, their wits end. They're at the end of it all and they're like, maybe you're here for the very first time and I want to assure you, nobody called me and said, could you speak? I've got a friend coming and they're just, man, they're going to they're gonna get a divorce unless something happens. That didn't happen. I backed up because, as I shared, I saw tears in the eyes of people that I know love Jesus. And listen, God wants us to get past it and help others get past it. I'll get a grip here. If you're not yet divorced and you're separated or you're contemplating it, work it out. Come to the marriage class. Get some help. It's here for you. And listen, you can work it out. You can do it. You can make it right. And if you're thinking, no, you don't know what he did to me or you don't know what she's done to me, that's true. I don't know. But I know what Jesus has done. He's forgiven you everything. And I know that, well, even adultery grounds for divorce. But that doesn't mean you have to be divorced. You could forgive even adultery. God does. And so my point is, if there's hope at all, work it out. Give yourself a chance. Become the people God wants you to be. Have the marriage you intended to have when you made those vows in the first place. For a second group here, maybe you're divorced, but you're still single. I got a good friend that pastors in San Diego. He went through a divorce and later got married again. The cool part is he married the gal that he had divorced. And so he's been married twice, only had one wife. And... um He's pastoring a Calvary down there and just flourishing for the Lord. Why? There is no one in a better position to share what I'm sharing with you today than someone who's been through it. Now get this though. Get it. It's so important. Some people think unless you've been right there or you've committed that sin, you're really not in a position to help. That's not true. I've never been divorced and I'm not going to be divorced. I'll kill her first. I promise. So. <laughs> Man, God's going to get me. No, no my, my point is, I love Pam. I'm no danger to her. <laughs> but we are not going to end in divorce. And we not only are going to have a marriage, we're going to have a wonderful marriage. It's better than it's ever been, and it gets better every day. Why? Because we're growing more like Jesus, and we're yielded more to him. We're becoming more like him. But if you've been divorced, and you're not yet remarried, and she's not yet remarried, or your spouse, hey, Come to the marriage class. You know somebody in that category say, hey, you really got to come check this out. You guys could work this out. It's not too late. There's one third group, though. Maybe you're divorced and you're remarried or she's remarried. You know, they're remarried the other. Listen, you know, the Bible does tell you that you can't divorce this one and now go back to the first one. The Bible actually says not to do it. He says it pollutes the land. It defiles the land. It's not God's plan. And so if you're remarried, you just want to make this one work. 
again, I'm not promoting the, the, the marriage class. I'm promoting healthy marriages, vibrant families, good relationships. If the marriage class is for you, take it. If there's something else, just read the Bible and obey it. It'll all work out. But, but today, wherever you're at, if, if you feel conviction, not condemnation, if you feel condemnation, that's not coming from me and it's not coming from Jesus. And so that means either you're beating yourself up or the enemy's beating you up. Or maybe you're just hearing the voices of people who've condemned you in the past. You just need to let that go and you need to know that if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Divorce can seem like something that is impossible to be restored from. Maybe because it takes two and we have no control over what the other is going to think or do. Because of that, there's no promise that the marriage will ever be restored. But there is promise that you can be restored. Restoring us is why Jesus came to die on the cross for us and why we can always find healing, help, and hope in Jesus Christ. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.